If you have a team that's burnout, start at the helm, figure out if that person is burnout because that energy is going to trickle into all of your people, every single one of them, because you're not on property every single day. They are. So start at the helm, make sure that person is filled, their cup is filled, and they feel validated. They're carrying multi-million dollar assets on their shoulders and managing people is the hardest part of our job. But sometimes between managing 700 people on property and their own 15 people that carry their job, that isn't really overwhelming. So making sure they feel valued and they're really, really appreciated in how they want to be appreciated is the first step. Then taking that and helping do a culture style training. Welcome to the Marketing Home, Marketing You podcast. Week after week, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing brings you quality conversations with industry leaders, mini marketing workshops, and step-by-step guides on everything marketing, business, and career growth. So grab a cup of coffee and get ready for some outside-the-box ideas from the girl that lives inside the shipping container box. Hi, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of Marketing Home, Marketing You. I'm your host, Barbara Savona of Sprout Marketing, and this week rounds out our month of inspirational women of multifamily housing. My guest today is Alex Rippey, GMH's National Director of Leasing, and you guys, I hope you love this conversation as much as I did. My goal this year is to bring people of all walks of multifamily housing, all different career types, to give you an idea and kind of an inside behind the scenes peek at what it takes to do that role. It'll help you really see where you want to go in your career. And if you're in that role specifically, you might find partnerships and networks and just get inspiration and learn and and ideas from each other, which is what I did today with Alex. Now, I'll warn you guys, her audio was a little bit fuzzy, so it distorts her voice just a bit, but not enough to mess up the message. Alex and I listened to it and we thought the energy was so good. There was so much information shared that's really insightful. So I wanted to make sure that you guys got this episode today. So without further ado, I'd love for you guys to listen in on my conversation with Alex Rippey. And before we do that, I just want to let you guys know that this podcast is sponsored by Sprout Marketing. We publish a marketing magazine that focuses on marketing, retention, social media, and team development. And you can subscribe for free at SproutMonthly.com. So if you haven't, that's a great way for you guys to get some hands-on resources. So check it out there. And then now for real, let's get to this conversation with Alex. Today, we have Alex Rippey, formerly known as Alex Monreal. Is that correct, Alex? It is. And I know it's so confusing right now. So many of my colleagues in the industry are like, wait a minute, Alex Monreal, where did you go? I'm like, new name, same Alex, promise. Well, we have been wanting to have this conversation for months and just aligning our schedules, but I'm so excited to talk about your role. So as the National Director of Leasing for GMH, I am so curious to know, what does a typical day look like for Alex? Oh man, the typical day is very interesting. And I think based off of the day you grabbed me on is going to be completely different. I used to, as a property manager, say I could be grabbing chickens one day. I could be besting at the party the next. Man, it's so different now, but I actually oversee our leasing department and I oversee our systems and integration department. So when it comes to just being a national director of leasing at GMH, the touch points are very multifaceted. So one day I could be looking at GPR, rent rolls, schedule charges, talking about customer service, looking at different trainings, 
The next day I could be talking to legal about maybe a new employee addendum, a lease change addendum. And then the next day I could be talking about Intrada, different types of AI, different types of software and digging into what's going on there. So the touch points are just crazy, but it's a lot of fast moving work and it's a lot of fun at the end of the day. Well, I am just so impressed how you manage it all. And I'm curious, you know, since you oversee leasing for student housing and conventional housing, and those are two different worlds, how do you manage to keep that all straight? Yeah. So I think what's interesting, and this is such a good question because we, at GMH, we have three verticals. We have our student living, our conventional living, and we have a vertical called innovative living. And innovative living is going to be more life science. Think of it as mixed use. So if you are looking at an Airbnb and you want to go to an Airbnb in Florida for a week, you can do that in an innovative living property. If you want an a la carte option of going and maybe you're going to a basketball game, you need to stay somewhere for two days, but there's no hotels, you've got an innovative living. But you can also be a student and live there for 12 months. You can be a family or want to rent a whole unit. So my role is to oversee the student conventional and innovative piece. What I will say is I have had a huge focus on student housing over this past year with GMH because, as we all know, this year has been an anomaly and it's been really crazy. So I've had a ton of focus there. But thankfully at GMH, our conventional assets are gorgeous. They're top-notch. They're in fantastic markets. So occupancy is always stable. And the people at the helm are just top tier. So when it comes to self-sufficiency, they are just so good. And so really the only times we have interacted this past year is digging into financials, answering some additional questions, giving some ideas, making sure that approaches are really strategic. But I haven't been forced, I guess you could say, to be as dug in this year. But managing all three, I would say one, the biggest thing is relying on your people, because if I didn't have such incredibly talented people on my team, I would not be able to oversee all three of those verticals. And because I have some really talented regional leasing managers and a leasing specialist, I am able based on the day to shift those priorities, whether it's all of a sudden, Fayetteville, Arkansas is skyrocketing in rental rates, and I need to go into Axio and College House, shout out, Charlie, and call all of those different uh, data points I can and figure out where we need to pivot and where we need to strategize. But I couldn't do that without a team. So anybody on a national level, I'm sure will probably agree that our people are probably our most important in how we can get through our day-to-day. Amen. Shout out to your team. I love hearing that spirit of really being a collaborative environment. And I, I want to zoom out for a little bit. As your role has evolved, how do you oversee? Are you watching trends? Are you, I mean, you kind of mentioned how like student housing took a little bit of your focus. Do you put on a different hat for student housing and take that off? And then can you talk a little bit about that approach? We'll get right back to our conversation. But before we do, I just wanted to remind you, if you haven't already, go to sproutmonthly.com. There you can subscribe to our monthly digital magazine and make sure you subscribe your team also. This will give them an endless supply of ideas for the upcoming two months for their marketing, their resident events, their retention, social media, plus all these conversations that we have on the podcast. You'll also see these interviews inside of the magazines too. So make sure you go to sproutmonthly.com. You'll also get access to tons of free resources. All right, let's get back to it. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think it, I think you have to have a different hat for student housing and conventional because one, 
they typically have incredibly different target audiences. And so sometimes when I'm so fully focused into my student assets, I jump over to conventional and I have to kind of take a breather and Mm -hmm. step back and say, whoa, these rates are a little bit higher. We're looking at a totally different demographic. They don't want to see me making TikToks all the time. They don't want to see me doing all of these different things. And talking about relationships, it's really, really important on a conventional setting because you typically have that higher retention rate. And so with students, you're moving really, really fast. Whereas with conventional, you have to change that hat and think about who your target demographic is, who that audience is, and really hone in on the person, just like you do with student, but in a very different way. So with conventional, I pull back just a little bit. I slow down. I really think about the person. Whereas with student, I do look at trends. I look at what is really going on in the market. I look at university specifically. What are the passions? What are the driving forces? What are people doing? Because in every single market, somebody is doing something different. Back in my day, you could go on a dorm and you could put a pizza outfit on and give out free pizza on campus. That is not a thing nowadays. I mean, there's different types of trends and different types of things that you're doing. And so with student housing specifically, I'm looking at a much larger demographic and somebody that is very focused on emotions, very focused on personal relationships and building that type of rapport. And our innovative vertical is a mix of both of those worlds. And so that's where the hat really collides. And I have to take a step back and say, okay, if I was if I have a family or if I'm a young professional, or maybe if I'm a traveling nurse where I'm home maybe two days, but I'm on the road four weeks, or maybe if I'm just coming in to see a basketball game, how do I put all of those into one product, give a certain value that meets the mark for all of those different target audiences? So the hats are very different, but I think with a creative solution and again, having a, quite a few different people on your team to bounce ideas off of, it's easy to move that hat around, but you have to be extremely nimble to be able to do that. And the power of pivoting is so real in those moments. That's incredible because as you're talking, I'm just thinking, okay, you're dealing with life cycles of vacation. So like maybe a, a week, then life cycles of maybe a term, like a semester or two, mm-hmm. and then life cycles that could go on for years and years at very different price points. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of going off script here, but I'm just curious, what does your team look to then as the national director of leasing? What is it like if you could really drill down? I know you do so many things, but on a high level, what does a mm-hmm. national director of leasing do for a company like GMH? Oh man. Okay. Let me see if I can really pull this in. So I would say I'm, I'm the one that comes in with the strategy. I am going to be maybe the glue that doesn't necessarily execute all of it, but I'm going to pour in to multiple people and multiple different departments to help get you a different out of the box strategy. So let's take that in a different section. I oversee the leasing department. I'm thinking about not throwing spaghetti at the wall. If you tell me it's National Pet Day, that's awesome, but it's not a key day. Now, it's an opportunity that I want you to utilize, and maybe we do half-off pet fees, half-off pet deposits, whatever the case is, but that day I want you to look at as an opportunity and not a key date that's officially going to drive leasing. I want you to focus more on parents' weekend and things of that nature in student housing, whereas that same day I could go to marketing and they give me this incredible campaign and PR statement. I say, ooh. I actually just went to that property last week. They have this really big reputation issue about A, B, and C. We actually need to repurpose this to look more like 
CDE. And we should also probably pivot this marketing collateral to look a little bit more focused on a more mature audience. Because as the years have gone on, these students have really developed more of a focus on science and business and engineering. And it's not as colorful and crazy and party-esque anymore. Yeah. And then I switch over and I talk to our operations department. What are the processes? What are the standard operating procedures that are missing that leasing and systems can help drive? What's the strategy behind that? Is it the fact that in systems, a ticket is coming in, maybe two or three tickets a day about how do I perform a relet? How do I do a transfer? How do I renew someone? If I see those things come in multiple times a day, I take that moment and I say, I don't think this is a ticket issue. I think this is a training opportunity and a processing opportunity. So maybe I work with operations that week on how do we better our processes and training so that it's no longer an issue, but we have resources to then train. And I think that goes down the line, whether it's marketing ops, systems, legal. I am the solutionist, the strategy behind a little bit of everything. Because even one day I'll talk with asset management about revenue growth and management and why there's so much vacancy loss and how to move the needle and where opportunities for ancillary income is. And so I'm kind of that person in the back, giving ideas out of the box and trying to find a solution that better a little bit of everybody on all the different departments. I, I think that's what I'm going to, I'm going to say I do. I'm like almost speechless. I'm blown away. That is an incredible role. I really see you as a master strategist and really a revenue driver. So that's really cool. And I think that's just so neat that you're able to step back and see, is this a systems, an operations issue? Is this a people issue? Is this a trends issue? It's so many different pieces. That's so exciting. So, okay, with all of this stuff that you're doing, how do you keep the renter top of the mind? Because you talked a lot about financials. So I know the renter is important, but how do you keep them top of the mind while still reaching those financial goals? I think that there's a big one in our industry, no matter what right now, whether it's unconventional, student, innovative, even affordable housing, it is how do you keep the renter happy? And if you look at the recent Jay Turner surveys nationwide, a resident customer service and satisfaction actually dropped. And it's actually very interesting to see that because if you look at the past couple of years during COVID, you would have assumed we would have really increased that customer service. If you're safe here, we can really give you a home to live in. It's more than four walls and a roof over your head. But the satisfaction since, you know, the mask mandates have ended and things and we've gotten a little bit more comfortable has kind of been dropped down. And so when it comes to the financial health of the asset, there is nothing better than having an incredibly talented human being at the helm. They are going to be the driver of every single piece of that financial health. Now, granted, you can have an amazing team. You still need to be able to conserve some of the financial piece. And you're also going to have to put some CapEx in every now and then and do what you need to do. However, if you have an incredible leader at the helm and they care and they are passionate about that asset, on a personal level because their name is tied to that property. So the property isn't, we'll call it the Dean. It's Alex Rippey because Alex Rippey is the GM. I'm going to take an additional piece of pride. And when I walk my property, I'm going to pick up the trash. I'm going to make sure that the paint looks good in the hallways. I'm going to look at the trash room. Because of that take initiative approach, I'm keeping my renter top of mind because that's what they live in every single day. I'm showing them that I value their livelihood, but I'm also putting that asset top of mind for an owner 
and for a partner. And so I think it, it really starts with your people because your people are what's going to make your resident happy because they're going to keep them top of mind. And your leader is also going to need to focus on her internal personality and her internal personnel to make sure that she's driving the operational fundamentals of that property. And so I think that that would probably be my biggest thing is getting really, really good people to your property because that's the first way, not only save on cost, but to be financially healthy as an asset. I've never thought about hiring. I mean, yes, but like what the way that you put it, it's like hiring is a way to show that your renter is top of the mind. So it's like every time you pick an employee to work at a community and you pour into them, like you talked about with training, mm-hmm. you're actually pouring into the resident too, which is such a yes. connection. Yes. So you talked a lot about the leasing that, you know, all the different things that you're taking into consideration as you're looking ahead to 2023, what are the biggest challenges that you think we're going to be facing in multifamily specific to leasing? Yeah. So I think the first thing, and I'm not sure exactly how the challenge is going to come, but I do think that rates are going to come back up to the top of mind because with this year, it was an anomaly and it was an incredible year. However, I think there is this upcoming year going to be maybe a push and pull, whether it's from a resident to a community, or maybe it's going to be from a partner to a property management company or an owner operator and saying, you know, these were our underwriting expectations. Why can't we push that needle? And I, I think that's going to come back up and it's, it's going to bring up more conversations around maybe affordable housing and different types of opportunities and options there. So I foresee that being somewhat of a challenge in certain markets. Mm-hmm. I also think that one of the challenges in leasing specifically, in my opinion, because I am so people focused, is a balance that we're going to need to strike as an industry between people and AI and automation. Because my gosh, there's so many pros and cons, but it's just that balance, I think it's going to be really big this year. And I think we're going to see different companies try out different strategies, but it's going to challenge the leasing life cycle a little bit because those that go with the more people approach, we're going to see how that returns. And those that go with a more centralized or AI approach, we're going to see what yields those results too. So I think that's going to be a challenge though, to strike a balance because in my opinion, and any listener to this is, could argue, but I don't think you can go 100% AI, 100% centralized, because Barbara, that means that there's never going to be a URI, right? We didn't grow up in the industry. And so I think that's going to be a challenge this year for our industry and in leasing specifically is how is the renter going to actually rent? Is it through Instagram? Is it through a chat bot? Is it through someone in corporate answering a phone? Or is it from a you or me at the front desk, actually talking to them, taking them on a tour and having that conversation. So I would say just rental expectations, customer service, and how we navigate those and striking the balance on what's AI and, and how do we handle it in person. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was actually having a conversation with someone this morning about that. And if I had to give a prediction, I would say that we're going to see exactly what you said this race and that some are going to just take off with AI and others are going to lag behind kind of like they did with social media. Mm -hmm. But I think it'll have the exact same kind of thing. I think that it will run its course. We'll figure out what the use for AI is. But then I think because the people aspect will become rare in a sense, 
I think it will become valuable, but not like the mediocre people. So to me, I think that those that have been kind of coasting with their leasing, coasting with their marketing, Mm -hmm. those are going to be the first to get cut. And I think that it's going to be that can communicate well and and make the customer feel that Mm -hmm. extra thing, like what you were talking about, that are going to stand out because it will be rare. Yeah, 100%. And I think too, it's going, I think there's a piece of it that's going to show us who those next industry leaders are. Who are those people that are going to come up and care? And it's like that name is tied into the industry and they're going to be a leader. But at the same time, I'm just like, man, that it, you said it perfectly. It's like when social media came out, a lot of people were hesitant to get on. And it's like, well, is this the route? Can you sell apartments through Facebook, through Instagram? And now it's, if you're not on there, you are just not doing a job whatsoever. Like you are at the bottom of the barrel. And so I just, I'm interested to see that race this year. And I think it's going to be a challenge because renters are going to see it as well. And they're going, it's going to be interesting seeing who goes for what. And yeah. so I, my overall eagerness is to see the ROI on each side. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be so cool to see and, and just to be a spectator and see what what will result. So I'm sure we're going to have so many more conversations as this year unfolds specific to how this is. Okay. So I know that something that you reached out to me that you're very passionate is about outreach and relationship building. And I'm just curious how you approach that and how you've seen maybe it generate results within your company. Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's, gosh, this is a soapbox. Barbara, so I'm going to really try to hone it in here. <laughs> Relationships and people are so incredibly important. And I just want everyone in the planet to understand this. And it is just, it is how much that we pour into our people. I have this saying, it is people over the product will win every single time. And it's because creating value in more than just a building is what sets you apart. And it's what makes you win. And so many of the times when I go to market, they're like, well, our value is the pool. Our value is that we're 19 stories high. Our value is that we have king size beds in our one bedroom. I'm like, that's awesome value. What value as a, as a peer, as a person that's going to school here, what can you give me to enhance my livelihood? So when it comes to building relations, my main focus is how do I evoke emotion? Because everything we do in life impacts emotion, no matter if it's in our personal life, how we think politically, or any work, it, everything is emotional based. It's how people advertise and it's so incredibly important. And so when you go in and you're trying to build a relationship, if I'm touring you and say you're just happy to be allergic to water, you hate water, right? You just don't, you don't like it. I'm sorry to anybody out there that's allergic to water, but you yourself as the, the person touring or the prospect, you just go to the pool because it's your favorite thing to talk about. And that's all you talk to the prospect about is how great the pool was. It's like your favorite thing, but you have no idea that the prospect hates water. And so you've spent 10 minutes on a tour building a relationship around something they absolutely hate. And so my biggest thing on building relationships is always asking questions. I always say you need to see people with your ears. Because there's a lot of things that you can find out without just word vomiting, as I say, and just asking about their livelihood and what they do and what they're interested in. And so I'm going to give an example, not just at GMH, but something that I've experienced personally coming from being a GM at one point in time. And it was back when I was in a new development. And 
is in College Station, Texas, where it was a bloodbath. Like anybody listening who is from College Station, Texas in 2016 knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I had a sales and marketing manager at the time, and we were just a dynamic duo. And we went into this new development saying, we have absolutely no idea what's going to set us apart. Absolutely no idea. And so what we did is we went out and we just asked people, what would set us apart? Like how, why would you lease at our apartment? What would you do to make us better? We ended up getting a massive volume of responses. And obviously they were all over the board. Someone said they want a Ferrari. Everyone gets a Ferrari, right? <laughs> but one of the biggest commonalities we saw is that College Station is a really big pet market, right? They're big with agriculture. And everyone had a lot of pets. But if they had a pet, a lot of times they had to go to the shadow market. And so they lost that sense of community and they couldn't go to social events and things of that nature. So we went back to the drawing board. We actually spoke to our regional who then went to the city and vetted for us to get fenced backyards at our apartment complex. I don't remember the exact number, but all I remember is it was approved. And I am not kidding, within 72 hours, we were 100% filled up in any of our fenced backyard apartments. And it was in that moment that I realized how incredibly important it is to actually ask what your customer wants. And it's not about what you want. Our developers, our architects, our owners, our managers, they built the sets for that property. But they didn't put into full perspective what people needed. When we actually asked the question of what they needed, that relationship was built. And so when we announced publicly that we had been backyards, our part-time employees were getting messages from their sororities, their fraternities. And I was like, wait a minute, we talked to you guys on campus. You, we, we told you we wanted backyards. And it was so known that we innately cared. It was like this really young staff that genuinely cared about our customer and the student base at Texas A&M. And it changed the, the plan of our trajectory as a lease up. And I think it's just so telling. And so we do those same types of strategies at DMH. And it has proven incredibly valued, not only for Lisa, but also just at how we're retaining. And I will leave you with this. That type of personal relationship has garnered an incredible team in College Station, a 60% renewal ratio. So there is nothing more powerful than building a relationship with another individual. I think that see your customer with your ears. I absolutely will forever remember that. Thank you for sharing that story. I think that's such a powerful example of how when someone feels listened to, they feel heard, what a, that it will garner that loyalty. And, mm-hmm. and, and also I love how you guys really went to the drawing board as to some that would have seemed like an obstacle that was insurmountable. But for you guys, yeah. it was like, how can we align what our customer wants with what we have? Is it possible? And I think a lot of times we stop short without getting creative. So that was a cool solution. Yeah. Well, thanks. I definitely agree. And I have to give a lot of kudos to the team at that time because we were just, we were at a really weird stage of like, how do we compete? And I just, it, it proved so much that value is so much more than product. And the value in that exercise was, yes, we supplied them with a product that they needed, but we supplied them with something that ended up being known in an entire market. And it's that we asked questions and we delivered on something that was being told to us. I know that you talked a little bit about the hat that you wear in the world of data. And when you told me that before we started recording, I'm like, oh my God, how in the world are you doing both? And I don't want to get too deep in that, but I am curious, how does analyzing data, how has that impacted maybe a recent decision in the leasing process or 
caused y'all to make a, a detour, a turn, anything that you yeah. can share? Yeah. So I think our most recent was one of our properties was not performing as they should have. We have leased that year over year incredibly fast and hit 100%. I mean, not a single bed, no, no shows, 100% every year. We are not 100% at this time. And so we really started to look. And when we started to look at the data, we started pulling historical trends. And we were doing this on a weekly basis rather than a monthly basis at first. And then we started pulling it on a daily basis of we were stacked first in the market. Why did we then move to second on Tuesday? Why did we move to third on a, the next Tuesday? And looking at the stack, com constantly comparing rates and making customized reporting, whether it was in the third-party management database that we use or in Intrada, building out custom reporting and understanding, hey, Intrada, we need to understand what competitors are doing or even using a college house or an Axio to see even more granular marketing data compiling everything that we had to look at week over week, month over month, and year over year data. And finally, looking into the rates, we said, okay, if we want to make some movement here, we're going to scale that just a touch. Granted, we were still growing rates, but maybe we hit the gap a little bit too hard. And that was okay because we pushed, we learned, and we scaled back. And what we could have done has been really, really reactive. And as soon as we stopped leasing, we could have just stopped everything. We could have ran a $500 gift card. That to me is called reactive marketing. It has zero strategy and zero thought behind it. We went to the drawing board. We looked at the reporting. We took a couple of weeks to see what was happening. We compared ourselves. We did another SWOT analysis. We looked at rates and we strategized and decided on the best possible solution for the property, but we did that through looking at data, but also thinking through as a company and with different departments, what that best next step is. And so that was part of the most recent. And we've now started putting more numbers on the board because of the way that we did that. So it was a data driven decision versus a reactive decision, but that is really such a good point, even in the power of pausing to really dig in, because I have seen this too many times where companies immediately just turn to the leasing special or immediately fire the manager or the leasing agent. Yes. But this is a perfect example of one where the data helped to solidify a decision that maybe you already had in your mind, but this kind of gave it the, the legs, the credence. A hundred percent. I also think it goes back to the financial piece of the asset. If you are reactive in your decision and you're saying, okay, we're not leasing, it's only been a week, you hit two weeks, you're like, wait a minute, I'm really not leasing, what's going on? And you start throwing $500 gift cards, even $200 gift cards out, you're, you're immediately starting to tank the value without even taking a moment to really dive into what is making this happen. Is it the people? Is it that our maintenance has slowed down? Is it that a building has construction going out in front of it and so nobody can get to the property? I see it all the time where our owners and operators and management teams aren't diving in to what is the true problem. And that's found through data. But it's also done through some, some searching, some, some action steps that a yeah. reason would take or a manager would take to try to really, I'm going to say, unpeel the onion. It's not always just so front-facing. So I think data helps us do that. But I think just as individuals and managers, we should do a better job at also digging in and trying to find our own data to your point of not making an emotionally reactive decision. Is there anything in, in leasing that you feel is underutilized? I'm going to go back to old school. I think we are underutilizing follow-up insanely right now. 
it is such a pain point. I, I, I get too many emails. I finally have them filtering into a folder now. But when it comes to follow-up, everything is automatic. There's nothing personal. I remember back in the days when I was looking for an apartment, even in the industry, it was at least personal. It had my name. It had what I wanted. Now it's just, thanks for coming to our apartment complex. We loved having you. First off, I hate the word apartment. I'm like, this is a home. It's more than four walls and a roof over your head. It's an experience. It's your livelihood. And it's just, it has gotten so incredibly stale. And people can read that that is not human interaction. It's not a person behind the screen. And they're getting it from not only me, but five other competitors. So I think genuine custom follow-up is a massive underutilization I also think our people are massive underutilization. I think we hire a lot of part-time employees. We put them at a desk. We tell them to answer the phone. We are spending all of that money and we are underutilizing these incredibly talented people. And even if they aren't a hundred percent, the skills are at the skill set that you want them to have, you can train that and you can empower them and motivate them. And they can be a leasing tool for you instead of just answering the phone. I appreciate that both of the things that you talked about are basics. I mean, it's like going back to the basics and it's kind of what we were saying about AI earlier. It goes to that idea that the more rare something becomes, the more valuable. So a personalized mm-hmm. follow-up, nobody gets it. If you do it, you're going to stand out as different. Taking care yeah. of your people, standing out as different, that's going to be huge. I am curious, how do you keep teams engaged that maybe are just, they're doing this day in and day out and they get burnt Mm -hmm. out? What is your strategy? Yeah. So I think it's different based off of what team you're working with, but it also starts the helm. If you're a GM or area manager, whoever is at the helm of that property is burnt out, that's your first step. That person needs someone to pour into them. That person needs them to give them some type of motivation and some type of empowerment. And every single person receives that very, very differently. As you can tell, I'm a talker. So I'm the one to go in and go, you're doing a great job. What can I do to help you? How do I support you? And I had one employee one time come back to me and they're like, listen, you are great at encouraging. I do not respond well to it. It makes, I don't know how to respond to you because I don't know how to encourage. And I don't really know how to accept encouragement. So I I just don't know how to handle it. So I had to pivot. And we started having these conversations about how she did want to be empowered. And if there was something going on, what was the best way I could help her? And it ended up just being like checking in once a week of, hey, how can I support you? Is is there something that I could be doing better? Because it wasn't about her then. It was pointing questions at me of how can I be of support or what can I change to better support you? And that ended up coaching me as a manager. And then I was also able to start figuring out a new management style to where when I wanted to encourage that individual, instead of sending so many praises, I would send gift cards kind of randomly. I would do a free day of PTO. Those spoke volumes. So if you have a team burnout, start at the helm, figure out if that person is burnout because that energy is going to trickle into all of your people, every single one of them. Because you're not on property every single day. They are. So start at the helm. Make sure that person is filled. Their cup is filled. And they feel validated. They feel important. Because in our day and age, too, investors are very, very pushy sometimes. There's a lot of people that want answers really fast. And they're carrying multi-million dollar assets on their shoulders. And managing people is the hardest part of our job. But sometimes 
between managing 700 people and property and their own 15 people that carry their job, that isn't really overwhelming. So making sure they feel valued and they're really, really appreciated in how they want to be appreciated is the first step. Then taking that and helping do a culture style training. And the word culture is kind of a buzzword to me because I think culture isn't defined. It's something that you innately feel. It's something that is powerful to you. And so when your person at the helm feels really good and loves what they're doing, you can then go in as a manager or as a peer and you can help drive that feeling across the board with your people. And once they have their cups filled, creating incentive programs, whether it's having a ticket. I know one of our properties has a monopoly board. As they continue the leasing cycle, they every like 20 leases, it's like they go around the monopoly board. And it's so funny when they get to the get out of jail piece, they like are like, oh, and they like go throw a party. But it's these little things that I, and you can talk about incentives and, and encouraging all day long, but you have to start at where, the, where it really begins. And that's at the helm. And if that person feels really filled, you can then support that person to make sure the entire team is motivated and engaged. But again, I think the biggest thing is making sure that they're being engaged the way they innately can be engaged because not everyone responds to a, a good job. Yeah, no, that is such a good response. And I love that. Go to the energy source, right? So the the leader will mm-hmm. influence the energy of everyone else. So Alex, we literally could talk all day. We have spent such a good amount of time together and I feel like there's still so much more. So we're going to have to keep this conversation going for another time. But I have to say, so I don't know if you accept encouragement this way. I have to say, like, I am blown away. We've spent 37 minutes together and I feel your energy is so incredible and I love the fact that you are just a lot about people. To me, that speaks so much to just that you want to give to others. And you're so sharp. You're so smart. So I just want to give you that. I mean, that this was amazing for me. Thank you so much. That, that means a lot because, Barbara, I'm just going to tell you, I've been a fangirl since so one. When I was a leasing manager, I started following you, your company, and everything that you did. And I was like, I'm going to be her one day. And then I got to meet you at AIM and I was like, hi, I'm Alex. And then we've been able to continue this conversation, but it's so important to meet people. And it's just, it's been a privilege to watch you in my over 10, 11, I think now years of being in the industry. And it, it, it really has been a pleasure. So, no, I mean, thank you. And I, and when you say that I was, I was sitting here thinking, she is like a much smarter, younger version of myself. So girl, you are going to go so many places. And it's just, I'm so excited that we did connect. And I love that we're part of this women's group together. And I just, I love the fact that, you know, to me, what's cool about our industry is that I've been in it for over 20 years and being a part of, of getting to know people that are just starting out, me and you both, there's people that we're helping along starting out, you're already a really a ways in. And there's people that have been, you know, Ann Sadovsky is like my mentor and she constantly is giving me tips and advice. And Mm -hmm. I think about what a cool thing that we can be part of an industry where we can cheer each other on. Yes. And it's so important. Again, pouring into people. It's a big deal. It's so big. And I, the women's group is going to be amazing because I think too, as women, we need more peer-to-peer action. We need more of this fundamentals because 
we also are going through things all of the time and trying to navigate our way through our careers. And it's just, again, it's just, it goes back to people. And, and I'm, I'm excited for what's to come with that program that you've put together. Thank you. And I'm so excited to watch your career. I will make sure that everybody can connect with you. Is LinkedIn the best place? It is. Yes. All right, Alex, thank you so much for this time together. And I know this is one of many, many conversations that we're going to have. Yes, me too. Thank you so much for having me.